You know, the greatest event ever in history is when God became a human being. The greatest event ever. There was nothing greater than the day when Jesus was born and He was a man made under the law. Now I want to just explain uh, the simplicity of the gospel to you today. Um, and then we're going to go to Numbers and to some other verses that's going to be quite interesting. Uh, if we read from Galatians chapter 4, Galatians chapter 4 and verse 4, it says, Galatians 4 and verse 4. Galatians 4 talks about a man being under the law, under a place where uh, he's judged by his works, where he's judged by um, what he does. Now, one of the greatest diseases today is not, um, you know, I mean, God doesn't look at your works anyway. He paid for it in Jesus' name, and He assigned the work of Jesus behind every man. But one of the greatest diseases today is a man is ignorant of the gospel. They're not drinking the only pill they need to drink, which is the gospel. If you can drink the gospel, <laughs> you'll be healed from your condemnation and your judgment. And you, you, you will be healed from judging yourself by what happens to you. Like if you receive a hundred thousand rand and you call yourself blessed, it still means you just, you're judging yourself by your works. If you, and by what happens to you. And that is the disease that there is in the world today. Because God doesn't call you blessed because you've got a hundred thousand rand or a million or because you're happily married or because your children's healthy. That's not why He calls you blessed. God, the Bible says God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. That word blessed means to speak well of us. He has spoken well of mankind because of what Jesus Christ has done. The bad things have been said about mankind because of what Adam has done. But good things are being said about mankind because of what Jesus has done. And what saves us from the death we're in is when we can believe what God has done. And when you believe what God has done, you are delivered from the bondage wherein we are held through this ignorance of what Christ has done on your behalf. And I've said it, I'm saying this at every, every service and almost every time I testify about the gospel to somebody, this is what I say. We so easily believe what Adam has done and its effect on our life. So easily. Adam did this. And that's how it affects my life. And I believe, ons glo in hierdie sonde val. In hierdie sonde val, het sy effect op ons leven. En ons kan nou niks om te doen nie, en dis nou maar hoe dit is. But we, why, why can't we just believe that if one man obeyed on our behalf, we've been made righteous? And that is our reality. Amen. So, this is what Galatians 4 says, talks about Jesus. When it comes to the communion, the Bible says... We must judge ourselves. You must yourself worthy that you, that we use the communion in an unworthy manner and not an unworthy manner. Now, I remember traditionally, you know, I would go to church and I would sit in church and I would look at everybody and I know when you when you use communion, that's when you're now very serious. You don't know why, but you're serious and it's a sad event. And you prepare yourself. Normally, they would announce a week before the time we're going to have communion. And that week before the time, uh, uh, you try not to swear. <laughs> you try to love your neighbor. 
as, as best as what you can. And, um, and, and I remember, you know, in that time, then, then, you know, in the Afrikaans, we would say, Yiri ausleet my seal hell to me. You know, another guy would come and do something, and we would say, but he is pulling me into hell. It's his fault. You know, I'm trying my best here because Sunday I'm taking communion, and I cannot take communion in an unworthy manner because I must be sinless before I can take the communion. I must be sinless, have no sin that I know of, confess all my sin and live a very holy life. And then Sunday, I can take the bread and take the wine for I am worthy. Now I want to tell you, that is the most unworthy way in which you can ever take the communion. The, the most unworthy way. Because you have come and made yourself worthy by your good works and say to God, God, I am worthy. I qualify of your blood because of my righteous work. That is spitting in the face of God. Because He came, and that is what that blood is for. That is what that uh, uh, bread is for. It is for those who are unworthy by the standard of the law. It's for the sinner. If you have sin, and you know that you cannot qualify by your own works, you are worthy of the communion. That's what it talks about. <laughs> because you don't, we don't judge ourselves. We don't judge ourselves as worthy by the blood of Jesus to partake of Christ. Now, um, let's, let's look at verse 4 there. It says, But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth His Son, made of a woman, made under, under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. Okay, now let's read from verse 1. Chapter 4, verse 1. It says, Now I say that the heir, as long as what he is a child, differs nothing from a servant, though he be the Lord of all, but is under tutors and governors until the appointed time of the Father. Even so we, when we were children, differing nothing from a slave or a servant, even so we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. So, now, now look, look at the, the language he uses here. He says, we were all in bondage under the elements of the world, but when the fullness of time um, was come, God sent forth His Son, made of a woman, made under the law, or under the elements of this world, to redeem them that were under the law, or the elements of this world, that we might receive the adoption of sons. So, the elements of this world is the law, under which man was, which disqualifies you and points you out as a drunkard, points you out as, as, as a sinner, points you out as an adulterer, points you out as all these things. That's the elements people were under. That's what it says. If you are in bondage, you are under tutors and governors. And now he comes, he says, when you are in bondage is when you're under the law. But Jesus Christ came and he was made a man under the law to redeem them that were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. A son is an heir. Now, now, there's a difference between a son and a slave. The son is the heir. He's the owner. Now, this is what happened with mankind. When we were under the law, we were not the owners of the kingdom of God. 
We were not the owners of righteousness. We were not the owners of peace. We were not the owners of joy. We were not the owners of a free life. And then being under this taskmaster of commandments, we thought that we can be set free. But we couldn't. We, the harder you try, the better slave you were. Even if you could do all the commandments, you would have just been the best slave. So you would still be a slave. But then Jesus was made a man under the law. He was made a man under those tutors and governors. He was made a man and he came and became the embodiment of this elements of the world. And he walked in a physical body. Okay? Then, so when you looked at Jesus, he was a representative of mankind and all of mankind being under the law under the system where we are judged by what we do, where what we do qualify who we are, was embodied. Then that body went to the cross and was brutally destroyed there forevermore. And the punishment for disqualification came upon him. So, so that we today can have no more consciousness of God from the perspective of a works orientation. We cannot have that consciousness anymore. We cannot sit before God saying, I am defined by what happens to me. I am defined by what I do. I'm defined by the good in my life or I'm defined by the bad in my life. If I preach at a place and somebody gives me 50,000 rand, can I now say now I, it's because I've been so obedient to God? If I preach at another place and I get nothing, can I now say, oh God, what have I done wrong? No. I am defined by one thing, and, and that is the resurrected Jesus. Now like that song, this is what it says, all we look at is the cross. Therefore we can rejoice in the resurrection of Jesus. Amen. And that is what I want to talk about today. Now let's go to uh, Numbers. Numbers 21. So when we think of the body of Jesus that was broken, when Jesus said, this is my body, eat it, what do we eat? What do we partake of? We partake of the fact that the embodiment of the elements of this world has been destroyed. And I eat that broken body. Meaning, I believe that broken, that body is broken. The body, like, like I, I like that word body where we say, um, it, like in a school you'll have a governing body. Okay? So like, like in the, uh, uh, the, the Old Testament they had a law body. A body of elements of this world, talking about the laws by which mankind was judged. That body was broken, it dissolved. And when we eat the bread, we're eating the broken body. Eating means, I find my energy, I find my nourishment in the fact that that body is broken. I find my nourishment in the fact that I know that the law system is broken. The governing body of the law 
is broken. And we've got a new governing body now. The resurrected body of Jesus. Hallelujah. Is I only blame Marky? Don't go hot you only blame Marky, bro. That's the best news there is. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You know what's nice? They say in heaven, you know, there's no time. So then every preacher can have 15,000 years to explain himself. <laughs> you know, and enjoys our message. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> so one day, you know what's nice about heaven? After you've preached for 20,000 20, years, then your friend comes up and he comes and comments on that for 15,000 years. <laughs> Hallelujah. Right. Psalm 21, and we're going to um, read. No one will fall asleep. No one will fall asleep, yeah. <laughs> Let's read from verse 5. And the, and the people spake against God and Moses. And this is what they said. Wherefore have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no bread... Neither is there any water, and our souls loathe this light bread. And the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and much people of Israel died. Therefore the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against thee. Pray unto the Lord that he, uh, that he take away the serpents from us. And Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord said unto Moses, Make thee a fiery serpent, and set it upon a pole. That word pole also means a cross. And it shall come to pass that everyone that is bitten, when he looks upon it, shall live. And Moses made the serpent of brass, and put it upon a pole. And it came to pass that if, uh, that if a serpent had bitten any man, when he beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. Okay. Now, look at what they did. They sinned against, they spoke against Moses, they spoke against God. And this was their sin. They said, why did you bring us out of Egypt to come and die in the wilderness? Now, if you go and study it out, the Bible says that God did not take them out of Egypt and put them in the wilderness for them to die, but He did not take them through, the, through the, 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 the lands of the other nations because he knew that their, their spirit was very low and they could not make war. So he took them through the desert to save them. He was actually good to them by taking them through the desert. And in the desert there was food, there was clothes, there was water, there was provision. There was no work that they could do to provide for themselves. Jij kan maar gaan planten in die woestijn, my broer. Dat werkt niet. Okay. You can go and sow your seed in the desert and see if you're going to get a harvest. It's not working. You can, you can try and work your principles in the desert. It doesn't work. You can take all your farming skills, take it to the desert, you can till the ground there, you can do whatever, it will not produce any fruit. The desert was a place where you relied on the person of God to provide for you. Okay? It was a place where you were not to work. And they said, why did you take us out of works so that we can die here? Because it looks as if God does not provide for us. You know, it's the same today in this good news. It's like we've been under the law, under works righteousness, where we had to do a million things in church, where we had to do 
20,000 things to get God happy about us and now we come to the grace message and we find this is so easy. So many times we don't feel that, man, I, I don't think I'm really doing something for God. I don't really feel I'm that busy for God. You know, this can't be. It feels as if I'm dying. You know, why did you take me out of all that works and you come and place me here just to die? And then he says, there's no bread here. There's no uh, water. And we become tired. And this is what they say. And our souls hates or detests this light bread. Talking about the manna that fell from heaven. Saying we detest this light bread. Now Jesus said in John 6 that he is the manna that the true manner that falls from heaven. So what he was actually saying, what they were actually saying, what God was hearing, because God was looking at the, the types and the shadows. God was hearing, they are saying, we are rejecting Jesus. Now we can use this in the New Testament. I want to say this, and this is what I found happens so many times. We come to a place where the, the Lord says, rest in me. When it comes to your business, when it comes to your healing, when it comes to those things, rest in me and trust and partake of the fact that the body of law that defines you has been broken. Eat that, believe that. I will be your nourishment. Okay? Now maybe we don't see it for a while and then we go and say, Lord, what must I now do? I want to go back to Egypt now. I detest the simple trusting God. What must I do? What 20 principles must I follow so that this thing can happen? We are going to die under the simply trusting God and who He is. We want to go back to what we must do for God. And then the Bible says, fiery serpents came and bit them. Why was the serpent? The Bible says in the beginning, the snake came to Eve and sold the law doctrine to Eve. He sold to her and said to her, listen, eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you know what's right, if you know what's wrong, you just do the right thing, you'll be like God. So when they rejected the manna that came from heaven, what happened? Then the snake came and bit them. What does that talk about? When we reject the message of grace, when we reject the simplicity of the gospel, the way we are defined in His obedience on my behalf and not my good works, then we find the poison of Satan killing us. I remember when I, when I just received Jesus when I was in school, I was on fire for Jesus. And like you guys know, I went to Bible school. And at Bible school, I felt the slow death that I was dying. Because in Bible school, and, and I'm not against the people uh, at the Bible school, against the teachers of the Bible school, I mean, they just do what, what they knew best. And they're sincere. And the year I was, and I was also there because I thought that was the best thing for me. And as I was partaking of all the do's and don'ts and all the five things to get a breakthrough and the ten, ten things to get God active in my life, I found that I was dying. I found that the spark that there was in my life, the excitement to share the gospel with people, the passion for people was dying. Because all of a sudden, I didn't pray for the sick so they can be healed. I prayed for the sick so that I can have a big crusade so that I can say I'm a good preacher. 
I didn't want to lead people to Jesus because there was a compassion in my heart because I think of where they are and what God has done for them. I was having a bigger crowd so that I can feel better about myself because I've been taught that bigger is better. And as I've been taught that, I followed that law and that principle. So what happened was, I always thought, man, I'm a child of God and He died for me. I was so happy. Thank you, Jesus. You know, and then went about preaching in the army, preaching on the streets. I remember when I was in school, I wouldn't go to town. I had a license that time and, I, and I, my dad gave me this little red mini. So I had a mini that I drove to school and back. I wouldn't drive to town without picking somebody up. If there was a black guy walking next to the road, I would stop my car, pick him up and preach the gospel to him until I got to town. And then I would drive slowly if I see it was a hard case. (laughs) You know? And then drop him off, you know, and I will make sure he prays a sinner's prayer with me. Drop him off. And when I come back, I'll pick somebody up again because I just want to share this gospel. And in Bible school, you know, the pictures of the big crusades and one day you will reach the world and one day you'll do this. And I was starting to think that what I was busy with was worth nothing and the millions mean something. And when I, when I was, was living under that, I was thinking, well, this one, one, one is no more food anymore. I detest the simplicity of the gospel. That's what happens to your heart. And then Satan, the bite of Satan is in that. And I felt that I was dying inside me. Oh, hallelujah. But listen to what happened. This is what Jesus said. He says, then you take a snake. You take a snake. You put it on a pole, on a cross. And those who can see the snake on the cross will be healed and they will live. So what was that snake on the cross? That snake on the cross, the Bible says, the law was nailed to the cross. Okay? The law was nailed to the cross. My sins was nailed to the cross. So Jesus even said, they asked him, how shall we be born again? He said, the Son of Man must be lifted up like the snake was lifted up in the wilderness. John chapter 3. So Jesus talked about him being lifted up. And that word, the Bible says, and those who stare or look at the snake, that word means to intently with understanding look at that snake. So when we look at Jesus upon the cross, and that's why here every Sunday we'll hear, we talk about the cross, we talk about the cross, because we intently stare at the snake upon the cross. So but Bertie, you can't say Jesus is a snake on the cross. He became that doctrine that the snake sold to Eve and was hanging upon the cross. He became sin. He didn't take sin upon him. He became sin. And if we can see that bite of Satan, thank God that there came a man that said, I will take that snake. I'll become that sin. And I will become that wickedness and I'll hang upon the cross and the, the wrath of God can come upon me. So if you look at how your law definition died in Jesus, if you can say that body, the, 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 that, the, that governing body which declared me a sinner has been broken to pieces upon the cross and you believe that you shall live. 
You shall have life in this world. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I can tell you, if we look at different things in the country that's happening, if we look at the fuel price, for instance, you know, if you look at that long enough, fear will grab your heart, man. Fear will grab your heart. Now, it's okay if you drive from here to there and that's it, but if you're in transport business, that's a problem. Because you must put up your price, and then the other guy's going to put up his price, and you don't, it's, it's such an instability if you just look at the normal things that's happening in this world, and you get that feeling of, where's this going to end? I can maybe lose everything. So much fear can grab your heart when you look at this. But I thank God that every time when I look at that, every time I feel that death wants to enter my body, I, I, in my mind, I just see Jesus on that cross. I see the voice of this thing nailed to the cross. And the new body that was risen. And I'm defined by that. I remember when the fuel price went to three rand. I remember my mom and dad, when, we were in when I was in school, it went to one rand a liter. One rand a liter. Then we said, fuel is now more expensive than coke. One rand a liter. We thought the time of the Antichrist is here. We thought Jesus is coming back. Because it's one rand a liter. Now it's going to 10.11. I shouldn't say that. I will just depress you. <laughs> He's going to 10-11. But I want to tell you, the same God that lived then is still alive. Amen. I remember I went to, to uh, Douglas and the one guy there was supporting me with a large amount of money. And, and then we had a bit of a uh, quarrel about something and I said to him, listen man, you don't have to give me the money. So he said to me, how will you survive if I don't give you this money? So this is what, this was my words, words was to him. I said, the God that kept me alive before I ever knew you hasn't died. He hasn't died. He's still alive. And all I did was, you know, when the situation wants to bite you and tell you, you are not going to live, you are going to die. What do you, what do you see? You see this definition of you not being a victor nailed to the cross. And then you eat it. Amen. If you must, you and your wife at home must go and sit and break some bread, or you and your girlfriend, or whatever, you go and you take some bread and you eat it in remembrance of what Christ has done for you. It's an unworthy way to say, well, God, you know, I've done everything right now, I'm partaking of the body. No, no. What you do is you say, Lord, I know that I, in my own life, can never do anything right, but I know that you did everything right on my behalf, and I partake of that body. I partake of the fact that the body that defines me by works has been broken forevermore. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, it says there that when, the sat when Satan bit them, they died. Now, the ministration of death was written on stones, the Bible says. So what happens, and this is how I see this death, is the moment we, we, we don't partake of the manna that comes from heaven, which is what Jesus Christ has done for us, okay? And we focus on our works... What kills us? It's the ministration of death or the ministration of condemnation. Condemnation kills you. 
You feel condemned. You feel, have I made the right decision? You feel, have I, have I, have I lived right? Did I pray right? Did I hear the voice of God right? All this condemnation starts to kill you. And from that condemnation, if we don't behold Jesus on the cross, if we don't behold Jesus on the cross, I want to tell you that condemnation will dictate to you on what you must do to get rid of that condemnation. And then you'll be serving your new master called condemnation. Because condemnation will tell you, do this, do this, do this, do this, do this. You must go to this kind of a church. You must wear these kind of clothes. You must have these friends. You must pray like this. You must fast like this. You must do all those things. Then, you know, you know, you don't have to be condemned. Be, having condemnation as your master. Not, not in the service of God anymore. And I, I want to say this for those of you that haven't heard this. We have not been called to serve God. Jesus was called by the Father to serve you. And say that again. You have not been called to serve God. If you want to come and sit here, you're welcome. You have not been called to serve God. You, God called Jesus to serve you. Jesus clearly said, this, said, he said it himself. He says, I did not come to be served, but to serve. He came to serve you with a new life. He came to serve you with his body being broken for you. He came and, and his blood flowed for you. Why is there so much life in the blood of Jesus? Because when he, the Bible says the life of an animal is in its blood. So, when the body of the law was broken, the very life of the law flowed out of that body and was, went into the ground. It was wasted, if you want to put it like that. It was made nothing. The very life of the law flowed out of that body, bringing death to that body. Dead forevermore. When Jesus was raised, He was not raised because He had new blood in His veins. The Bible says He was raised by the very glory of God. He's got the glory of God flowing in His veins, keeping Him alive. That's why He can appear here, disappear, appear there, disappear. He can do all those things. He, that is the body that he has. And today, we have a gospel that says that the life that was in Jesus when he was on the earth, the blood that was in him, he was made a man under the law. That life flowed out of him. That means the very life where we have a life based on our works flowed out of us when Jesus was on the cross on our behalf. Hallelujah. And went on Golgotha into the dust there. And it's gone forevermore. You cannot get it back. It's gone. And that blood was before the Father. That blood was before the Father. Amen. Jesus never sinned. So that life was our life that flowed out. Amen. It was our life that flowed out of Him. He was raised in newness of life so that we can have that new life. Right, let's quickly go to two verses. Um, 
Let's go to Deuteronomy 14. Verse 22. Okay, so you guys understand that. Now it says in Deuteronomy 14, verse 22, You shall truly tithe, in the Afrikaans says, Jy sal vertien of vertiende maak, You shall truly tithe all the increase of your seed that the field brings forth year by year. And you shall eat before the Lord your God in the place which He shall choose to place His name there, the tithe of your corn, of your wine, of your oil, of the firstling of your herd and of your flock, that you may learn to fear, that word fear is also would had to have reverence or worship, that you may learn to fear the Lord your God always. Okay, let's go to verse um, 27. And the Levite that is within your gates, you shall not forsake him, for he has no part nor inheritance with you. At the end of three years, you shall bring forth all the tithe of your increase, the same year, and you shall lay it up within your gates. And the Levite, because he has no part nor inheritance with you, and the stranger, and the fatherless, and the widow, which are within your gates, shall come, and they shall eat and be satisfied, that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work that your hands does. So here he comes, he talks about tithing. This is what he says about the tithe. The tithe is something that you eat in remembrance of God. Okay, Deuteronomy 14 verse 22. The tithe is something you eat in remembrance of God. Let me just go through what it says there because this is radical to our minds. He says, you will take one tithe of everything and then you will go to the place that the Lord your God has said. So God blessed you. Okay, there was a blessing. But one tenth of that was holy unto the Lord. You took it and you ate it in remembrance of God saying that the fruit that's in my life is because of Jesus. Okay, that's what you do. So the tithe was not something you come and you gave your money to the church. That's not what it was about. The tithe was something you ate in remembrance of God. Then he went on and he said that this tithe, there was two tithes, the one that you went and you ate and then every third year the tithe was given to all the poor. To the Levite, to the, to the poor, to the widow, to all those people. Who were those people? They were the people that could not work to produce fruit by their own works. Okay? They couldn't. The widow, she didn't have a husband to provide for her. There was no provision for her. She had no fruit. She, she didn't have fruit of the land that she could eat and care for herself. That talks about mankind, where we are poor in our works. If I must take your works now and put it before God, you will say that you don't have any, any fruit. If you must live off the fruit of your labor before God, you will have nothing to live off. Because we are not holy enough by our own works to have this. But what he says is, and this is a type and a shadow, every third year, Jesus on the third year he was crucified, third year of his, of, of his, of his service, full time in ministry there, he was crucified for us, providing food for the widow, providing food for the poor, providing food for every man who by his own works could not provide for himself. And then they ate it and were satisfied. 
So this is what God has done. Jesus is the food that came your way that you can eat it in remembrance of God so that you can be delivered from being hungry. You know, if you look at your works and you say, well, I don't qualify. I've got other works for you that's been done on your behalf. And all I say is, and this is what God says, is I will write my works, my fruit, I'll provide fruit for you. Because by your own works you could not provide. The widow, the orphan, the priest, all those people, they could not provide food. And I like the fact that the priest as well. Because the one who could do the whole law was seen as one that does not have fruit. The one that was really into the law now, really doing everything right. God said you will not give him any land and he will not produce for himself. Because even the holiest guy under the law is seen as a man that cannot have any fruit and he's in need of somebody to provide fruit for him. And that talks about Jesus, which is our tithe that comes to the storehouse. The word storehouse there in the Hebrew is the word family that comes to his family and provides food for his family. That his family can eat and be satisfied. Hallelujah. You know, if I need holiness, I partake of the holiness of Jesus. His holiness is my holiness. His righteousness is my righteousness. His holiness is your holiness. His righteousness is your righteousness. You might say, Bertie, but this is too good to be true. Listen, man. Take this whole message and then you look at it in context. Who does this message give glory to? To Jesus or to you? It gives glory to Jesus. It's all about Jesus. It's all about what He has done. And you are the one that He provides for. Go and read Ezekiel 16. It says, you were in your blood next to the road like nothing, dying. And I picked you up. And I cleaned you. I dressed you. I put a jewel in your nose. I put earrings in your ears. I clothed you with gold and what is beautiful. I clothed you. Now the bad thing about Ezekiel is, he says there, but then you still chose to go back to, your other, to, to other, other men and didn't want to be intimate with me. And I want to tell you, Jesus Christ, while we were in our blood, while we were in our sin, He came and provided for us. He provided a place for you to stay. He provided, forget a physical house now, talking about spiritual things dear. He provided a place for you to stay. He provided holiness for you. He provided righteousness for you. He clothed you. He made you beautiful before Him. Let's not go and sleep with a man that is destroying our life called the snake. I'm not talking about you know, even physical sin here. I'm talking about believing in the old system, going back to Egypt, going back to works righteousness, the bite of the snake. Let's continue to believe in what Christ has done for us. So clearly in Deuteronomy there it says that Jesus, there will be food that will be put in the gates. Now like what was put in the gates there. That's the entrance. You enter in by eating what God provides for you for free. And if we are full of pride and saying, well, I cannot, I cannot have it for free, you cannot enter. You cannot enter. The only way to enter into life, true life in this world, is to have it for free. To have it for free. 
You know, I, last night I preached on one of the television stations, one of the broadcasts went out, and then this morning we got some text messages. So the one, one, the one message there, um, you can see this guy is fending for the law. He's fending for the law. He's fighting for the bite of the snake to stay in his blood. He will die. <laughs> he will die. I'm not talking about physical death. I'm just talking about death in his relationship with God. Death in his emotions. Death in how he thinks about people. Let's go to one other verse. Two verses more. Let me finish. Malachi 3. Malachi 3 verse 10. <clears throat> now you keep your finger there and you also open up in John 6. John chapter 6. Just find the right verse here. Let's read from verse 53. We're going to read from verse 53. So, but first Malachi. Listen to Malachi 3 verse 10. It says, Bring ye all the tithe into the storehouse, that there might be meat in my house. So what is he saying here? He wants meat in the house. Remember what we read. The tithe was something you ate in remembrance of God. It was laid in the gates. You had to take one-tenth of your stuff, go and eat it in remembrance of God, so that you may learn how to have respect for God. How do we have respect for God? By eating the body of Jesus. Not by doing a million things for God. By If you want to respect God, you eat the food that He prepared for you. If I go to somebody that loves preparing food and he puts a meal for me, I don't just before the service quickly go and get myself McDonald's. Because then I'm not respecting the man. I respect somebody if I partake in what he puts on the table for me. So he's put on the table this food. You can partake now and eat of the destruction of the body of the law and of the new covenant, the blood of the new covenant, the old life has ended and that we are in a new life before God now, you can eat of that and drink of that. That's what's on the table. That's all Jesus got on the table. Well, that's enough for me. He says, then you eat that and you are satisfied. Amen. Now, he comes in Malachi 3 verse 10. He says, bring all the tithes to the storehouse that there might be meat in my house. That word storehouse is the word family. You can scratch it out there and put in the word family. Okay. Bring all the tithes into my family. He calls, he calls us his family. That there might be meat in my house. And prove me here with his Lord of hosts. If I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. So what he's saying here is, if the true meat of God can come to the storehouse and we can eat the meat of God in the storehouse, then the blessing will manifest in our lives. The windows of heaven will be opened up and the blessings of God will manifest in our lives because the curse of the law will end. Okay, now John, John 6. Remember what he says, bring the tithe that there might be meat in my house meat in my house 
John 6 from verse 53. Uh, then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whosoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. My flesh is meat indeed, and my body uh, and my blood is drink indeed. He that eats my flesh and drinks my blood dwells in me and I in him. I think that's some of the most powerful words in the Bible. He says, my flesh is meat indeed. He says, if the true tithe can come to the storehouse, there will be meat in my house. Are you hearing what I'm saying? There will be meat in my house. Jesus is the body that came to God's family that we eat and partake of. When we eat and partake of it in a worthy manner, we eat and partake of it understanding what it stands for. That's a worthy manner. Unworthy manner is to think it's going to fill your physical belly. A worthy manner is understanding what it stands for. The body stands for the end of the law. The, the blood stands for the sign of the new covenant in the life of Jesus. For the old life has passed away and a new life has come. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. You might say, but Beth, you know, you cannot preach this everywhere. I have not heard this tithing message maybe preached like this before. But I want to tell you, this is the truth. This is God's honest truth about the tithe. Jesus is the meat in the house of God that you had to eat in remembrance of God, which will save you from the curse. You might say, but Beth, you're going to preach this to your own detriment because we're not going to give if you preach this. Well, that's fine with me then, but we're going to preach the truth of Jesus. We cannot lie to drive a nice car. We'll rather preach the truth and the generosity of people will flow forth. And the nature of God will be born into somebody and from there they will give. Amen. Because it's, a na it's our nature when we are born of God to be givers. But the truth is, and the true deliverance is, and all those that watch by the internet all over the world, the true deliverance for you is to understand that Jesus is your tithe. And you can eat it and be set free from the curse. Amen. Hallelujah. Now it comes, Jesus comes, and He says, the night when He was betrayed, He took some bread. Hallelujah. He knew this is the manna, this is the tithe, he knew he's the lamb. He knew all these many things that he stood for. And let's just read this verse. This is going to bless you in your understanding of the Bible. <clears throat> let's go quickly go to Psalm 40. Psalm 40. We're going to listen to one song then. Worthy is the lamb. And um, then we're going to partake of the communion and declare the curse broken over our lives. Amen. Hallelujah. We can't live under the curse of fear. We cannot live under the curse of, of the judgments of this world. We cannot live being defined by the things of this world. 
my peace, my joy, my righteousness is much greater than what this world can ever give. It cannot be defined by this world. This world can never give it to us. Paul was in jail singing songs of worship to God because he had a revelation that has set him free. He, he, Paul in jail was more free than the people outside of the jail. Glory to God. You might think this is a, 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 a reality that is too great for me. I can never get into it. You don't have to try and get into it. The gospel takes you into it. It takes you there. The journey is God's journey. The, the gospel is about the journey of God as a, man, as a man. That's what the gospel is. It's the journey of God in a human body that had your, your victory as a result. That's what the gospel is about. Thank you, Jesus. Isn't this wonderful? Thank you, Lord. Psalm 40. Just to help you interpret scripture. From verse 5. This is a prayer of Jesus. He says, Many, O Lord my God, are your wonderful works, which you have done, and, my, uh, uh, and your thoughts, which are to us word. They cannot be reckoned in order unto thee. If I declare and speak of them, they are more than can be numbered. Now listen to what Jesus says here. Sacrifice and offering you did not desire. My ears have you opened. Burnt offering and sin offering have you not required. Then said I, lo, I come in the volume of the book. It's written of me. So Jesus comes, he says, he comes in the volume of the book. It's written of him. He says, Father, you don't desire sacrifices. You don't desire all these offerings. And there you can even put in tithing. You don't desire tithing or any offering. It actually, you've opened my ears. You don't want these things. It's actually written about me. It's written about me, Jesus. So Jesus said, God has got no desire in one little lamb dying. It was actually speaking about Jesus. God doesn't have an issue with animals just wanting to kill them. God doesn't have an issue with people sacrificing in certain ways. God's got no issue with people wearing certain clothes. It's got nothing to do with people. It was actually written to explain Jesus. To explain Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. So when we, any type and shadow in the Old Testament, it's written, not of you, it's written of Him. Glory to God. Jesus was reading Malachi 3, and He said, He was reading, knowing that God doesn't want sacrifice and offering, but it's written about Him. And He was reading, If the true tithe and the true offering can come to the storehouse, there will be meat in my house. And my family will be able to eat. And the curse will be broken of them. Jesus was hearing, if I can come to God's family and I can provide meat for them to eat in remembrance of the Father, then they will be delivered from the curse. That's what Jesus heard when he was reading Malachi 3. Glory to God. Then he comes in John 6. Why does he say in John 6, my body is meat indeed he uses the word meat it is meat indeed hallelujah so what we do is we don't despise the manna that comes from heaven and say this is too easy this light bread we detest it no 
we partake of this light easy bread for that is your life the people then didn't know that the manna was keeping away the curse so when they rejected the manna they experienced the curse but when they partook of the manna the curse was not on them and this is why and, and I'm just going to quote this I'm not going to read this in 1 Corinthians 11.28 it says that's why he says eat this in remembrance of me and then he goes on and he says and there are many that are sick that has died that are weak among you for they don't discern what this body is about and I believe that out of that verse we can say that as we meditate and ponder and make use of this in our lives we can live a much healthier life in this world we can live a blessed life in this world we are not defined by that blessing but we can have that blessing you can have finances you can have health you can have all those things without being defined by it but you can have it money doesn't define me but I need money to live money doesn't define you but you need money to live health doesn't define you but you need health to live in this world otherwise you're gonna die and now he says here and I like this type and shadow when we partake of the body when we partake of the blood we think of our innocence we think of an innocent person doesn't qualify for sickness and disease and struggling should we have it we are not defined by it should we have the healing we're not defined by it amen but we can have it we can partake of it thank you Jesus for that you know so when we partake we partake saying thank you Jesus don't partake of it to get healed you don't partake of it to prosper you partake of it because of what Jesus has done and the reality of it and the effect of it with understanding brings you freedom you know so many times if oh, and I don't have time to go into all of this why did Jesus die Jesus died so that the so that sin could lose its power over your life so many times we think sin is so strong and, and Jesus died to make me stronger so that I can conquer sin. No, no. Jesus died so that sin can lose its power so that a weak person can conquer. Hallelujah. The weakest person today that can just, okay, that can hardly walk if there's no resistance can go forward. But the strongest person against the 300 kilometer per hour wind cannot go forward. And Jesus came and stopped the wind so that the weakest can go forward. Hallelujah. That's what Jesus came to do, to destroy the power of sin by taking the law away that manifests sin in your life. Now, we don't have time to get into all of that, but thank you, Jesus, for your gospel. Thank you, Lord let's just close our eyes <clears throat> just with your eyes closed like this I want you just to think of Jesus hanging upon the cross just think of Jesus hanging upon that cross when he hanged there the body the governing body of works righteousness was hanging there 
and Jesus in his person came and took in his body willingly that death <clears throat> so that there is no more a man before God standing under that governing body it's all over it's broken cut to pieces and when you look at that and you think of your struggles you think of what you try to go through all of that is on that cross and just in your mind separate yourself from that you are something else you are someone else looking beholding the death of that definition of poverty the definition of sickness and disease the definition of you will never make it you will never be good enough you will never qualify hanging on the cross and you see how it dies you see how that blood flows out to nothing and it's completely destroyed And then you can take a deep breath of freedom because that man, that system, that bite of the snake that has poisoned your mind with fear, that has poisoned your life with condemnation has died and has no more voice. It is dead. And then I just want to move you three days ahead and to look at Jesus coming out of the grave, shining with radiance and the glory of God in a new body alive. A body that represents you in life and not in condemnation. The old body spoke of your disqualification this resurrected body speaks of your qualification your deliverance your freedom and as you look at that see yourself unified with that body as that light shines over that body it shines over your body and you are a new person hallelujah just see that envision that oh that is staring intently at the snake upon the cross and what it means hallelujah Eliana you can just play that song for me just with your eyes closed let's listen to the to these words it's like a six seven minute song and just let the, the reality of Christ touch your heart
We just declare, Jesus, you are worthy. You are worthy. And Lord, like any king, wears a crown that crowns him as king. 
You are crowned Savior. And we are that crown that shows the whole world that you're a Savior. You saved us from condemnation. You saved us from judgment. And we believe in you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. <clears throat> uh, what we're going to do is, um, I'm just going to break the bread and then everybody can go and get himself a piece of bread and some wine. And we're going to come back and we're going to sit and then we're going to eat and drink together. Uh, but the Lord in the night that he was betrayed, <clears throat> took some bread. He took the body that called you guilty. The voice of judgment over your life and he broke it to pieces and he says that body shall never live again it's dead you broke it to pieces you broke it to pieces and then he said you eat this why do we eat this because we find our nourishment we find our life in believing that that voice of condemnation has died Amen. We eat that. And the same, the same, after that, he took the cup and he supped of it. And he said, drink this in remembrance of me. Not in remembrance of your bad works. So many times in communion, we came and we remembered everything we did bad during the whole week. The Bible doesn't say that. He says, don't do this in remembrance of you. Do this in remembrance of me, of what I've done for you. Amen. So you're going to get yourself some of the wine there, and some, and we're going to eat and drink together. Amen. Right, you are free. You can go. Right, um, what I normally do if I've got communion at home, you know, I take that bread and I break it into smaller pieces. And I eat a bit at a time, you know. Because it just makes you meditate so much better. Uh, I remember in a church where I, where, where I used to go to, and oh, many churches, they just cut in such small pieces that you wonder if you tasted something. And the other day my wife and I we were having communion, we just sat in bed and, and uh, took a nice big piece of bread and I was just eating, thinking about it, you know, thinking about it, you know, and the healing. And as I was eating it and swallowing it, I was just thinking of how that nourishes my body and how my digestive system will digest it in the same way as we believe Jesus our spiritual system digests what Christ has done and it gives us that spiritual energy and that life that brings forth the very nature of God in our lives Amen so when we eat and drink this we think of that Amen Right, Father, I want to thank you for your body. I want to thank you for the blood of Jesus and that we are a free people in Jesus' mighty name. And as we partake of this, we do this in remembrance of you. And I just speak over every person here that's got sickness in his body, disease in his body. As you believe this, healing comes your way. As you believe this, freedom comes your way. And you experience the life of Jesus. As you eat this, you find a new definition about your life. You find how you qualify for a life of righteousness, joy and peace in this world. Healing is yours. Freedom is yours. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Let's eat and drink together. <clears throat>